Hello, and welcome to Booze and the Bible, a podcast of the sanctuary where we discuss the good book and good booze. And now, here are the hosts of Booze and the Bible, Dan Robb and Mark Wadsworth. Welcome to the Sanctuary Podcast. It's about booze and the Bible. I'm Dan Robb, the theologian, and he is Mark Wadsworth, the brewmaster. Mark, today we are going to ask the question, does God condemn Christians? But before we get into that discussion, I have to ask this. Um, what do you think of all these seasonal beers? Is it just a ploy, a conspiracy theory by all the brew companies to get us to buy beer? I mean, I, I do like the Oktoberfest, and there are some Christmas beers that are really good, but is this all really worth it, or is this just a gimmick? Well, Dan, you know, my answer is yes and no. Yeah. Personally, I think that the beers that are brewed specifically for the hot summer months are pretty much designed to take your money. <laughs> okay. And most of those summer beers are really similar to the lighter pilsners and lager beers that you get, uh, you know, year round and usually for less money. Mm. Um, so I, you know, but then that's me. I'm not a light beer guy anyway. And I'm sure there are some of them out there that are just super, but I wouldn't know what to tell you. But when you start talking about, you know, the fall season mm-hmm. between October, you yeah. know, Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas. Now, now you're talking because there are some great beers brewed just for that time of year. Mm. Yeah. So I'm thinking, you know, like in October, you get the Oktoberfest or September, October, the really good German Mards and beers, mm. you know, this malty and delicious. Um, and they're hard to find otherwise any other time of the year. And you also have things, you know, as you kind of roll in toward Thanksgiving, you get uh, pumpkin spice porters and pumpkin spice stouts and all things pumpkin spice, including brake pads. If you them, but. <laughs> hey, I like those pumpkin spice brake pads. Those are great. <laughs> but, you know, again, some of those beers are really, really good, and some of them are, eh, not so good. But if you like pumpkin, hey, you know, you just don't get it any other time of the year. Mm. And then as you head toward Christmas and New Year's, there are these styles that are called winter warmers, and they're typically darker beers like porters or, or stouts that have some, uh, you know, Christmassy kind of spice in them. Sometimes they'll have peppermint. and But in all cases, they have a little higher level of alcohol, so you drink them and you feel really good and warm, and that's why they call them winter warmers. <laughs> ah, that makes so much sense. So today, as luck would have it, I have a seasonal beer for us to try. It's called You'll Shoot Your Eye Out. Yeah, you remember that movie, right? <laughs> so this beer is brewed by Carbach Brewing of Houston, Texas. It's a strange one because it's a red ale, and it's brewed with a whole bunch of orange peel. Hmm. So are you ready to try it out? Uh, let's do it. Okay. So that the audience knows more about what we're about to sample, uh, this You Will Shoot Your Eye Out is an American amber beer, sometimes called a red ale. It weighs in at a very respectable 5.6% alcohol by volume, so you can have more than one and not feel guilty. Nice. Yeah. It, it uh, pours a reddish color, and it's a big foamy head on it. The aroma is light, but it's sweet-smelling. Okay, yeah. And the taste is light but smooth. 
there's just enough hops to supplement the taste, mm. but it doesn't overwhelm the beer. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a nice seasonal beer from Carbach. You know, it's one of those, uh, you were saying, oh, are, they, are they all gimmicks? No, this <laughs> one's not. This one's a good one. Um, if you look on Beer Advocate, which is, you know, where we generally look to see what everybody else thinks, the beer scores an impressive 85, which puts it in the very good range. So this is one of those beers that, uh, you know, yeah. Check it out. So this isn't just a money grab then, huh? Well, it's not a money grab. Okay. No, All right. So, Dan, what do you think about this beer? It's very interesting. And I don't mean interesting as in I would never drink it. I mean, it's got some nice flavors to it. And it does give me that warm, Christmassy type feel. Yeah. I mean, I, would, I wouldn't go out and buy it myself. Uh, so thanks for buying it, Mark. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I would drink it if uh, if it was there, and uh, and, it, and it does taste good. Awesome. What do you think about it, Mark? I really enjoy it. Um, it's one of those beers that I wouldn't drink all the time, but you know, one or two or three or something in a season, I think it's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I like red ales anyway, and I kind of like orange. And I would have never thought to put those two things together in a beer. Yeah. So I think they did a good job, and you know my hat's off to them, and I'll try to grab it again next year when it comes out. <laughs> well, as we're sitting here, you know, making judgments about this beer and not condemning it, but it did make me wonder: Does God condemn Christians? Can a Christian become condemned by God because of their lifestyle, life choices? Um, yeah, just what do you think, Mark? Hey, I know there's a lot of people out there that'll tell you that God condemns Christians. I mean, hey, just turn on the TV and watch the televangelists, man. That's a hot topic, right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I grew up thinking that, you know, when I was in high school, that God was just there waiting with the baseball bat every time I, I screwed up. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you, it got to the point where. You know, because I would go to these Christian camps, and it would be the one time of the year that I got right with God, and then that would last for about a month, and then the same issues would pop up, and you know, I kept thinking, why am I struggling with sin? You know, and uh, I gave this over to God, and you know, this here it is back in my life, and you just kind of you get into a vicious cycle of beating yourself up, and then you're fine for you're good for maybe a week or two, and then you're back. You know, and when I say fine for a week or two, I'm not talking about sinless perfection, but, you know, um, just you see yourself screwing up, you know, and it's repeated problems, you know, that you have. Um, For example, I think any young man, you know, who's who's trying to live the Christian life um, is going to have struggles, right? Oh, I don't know what you're talking about, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't imagine. Oh, man, I hope my mom's not listening to this. Oh, gosh. Uh, anyways, the guilt and the shame I felt was uh, such a burden, and it got to the point where I just didn't like going to church. And I noticed the same thing. I started seeing that in uh, students uh, when I was a youth pastor you know, in mm. the early days, because it would be their junior year, and I could tell they were struggling with something. You know, um, the church I was at in California. It, it was a lot of, un, as Andy Stanley would say, unchurched people or teenagers, but really they had never been to church. And so, you know, they were struggling with alcohol. Uh, I had some kids that, you know, 
got into ecstasy because it was a party scene and, uh, you know, and you're trying to work with them and help them and, and get them, you know, going on, on the right path in life. And it's not that it was anything that I said that would condemn them. I think, I think the devil just uses that as a foothold. And one of the things that helped me was reading the Odyssey, which is of all things, because when I was reading it, uh, and if you don't know, the Odyssey is by Homer, not Oh, you know who he's here, but uh, you know not Simpson, but it is uh, Homer, the, uh, the the Greek. You know the I don't know I don't know what his official title was, a poet, I guess. Yes, and there you go. And uh, he wrote the Odyssey, the Iliad, and when you read them, you start to see that what how I viewed God was how Homer wrote about Zeus, and that when you did something wrong, he did come after you. And he struck fear. And I realized that I, I did not look at God as a loving father, but I looked at God as um, just just waiting there to, to, to get me. And when I changed that in my relationship with him, I started to experience more love for him. And then it really propelled me to want to be godly, you know, and want to pray, want to read my Bible. And it, it was all because of that view that I had had, that distorted view of God. And, and it's easy to get into that distorted view of God when you're a young Christian because, you know, at least in the Baptist church that I was at, and there's nothing wrong with Baptists, okay? But, you know, they were independent fundamental Baptists, and we'll let you know we don't dance, we don't drink, we don't smoke, and we don't date those who do. And so there was a lot of rules and a lot of, a lot of things that, you know, I just didn't fall in line with the company, the company line, if you will. How's that? Has that happened with you before, Mark? So as a kid, you know, I grew up hearing, well, reading too. You know, the Bible tells us that Jesus died for the sins of the world. He took away all the sins of the world. And yet we as Christians, we sin every day, you know, that's still part of our fleshly sin nature. But as a kid walking around, I kept trying to get somebody to tell me, give me the answer to what do I do with these sins? You know, I asked for forgiveness, but I still feel guilty about this stuff, you know, it's it's, it's kind of like I'm waiting for God to come and smite me. And then I'd go and talk to the deacons or whatever, and they'd basically say, well, son, if you're not good, he will come and smite you. You know, and I'm like, that's not the answer I wanted. <laughs> so I, I hear what you're saying, Dan, I do. Yeah, and it really, you know, we've done this podcast already earlier on, but, you know, it made me always think, well, maybe I was never really saved. And I think it gets you the guilt and the shame piles up so much to the point where you think to yourself, well, gee, why don't I just give up and go my own way? And I did that for a little while. Uh, as a young adult, my mom would always call me, did you go to church today? And I would say, no. <laughs> and she would give me a guilt trip. And so I remember I, I only got back into church because I knew I was going to get that phone call Sunday afternoon find out, you know, and so at least I was able to find this lovely little Methodist church that, uh, odd enough, but they had donuts and I knew someone that went there. So <laughs> that, that, that was what made all the difference in my spirituality at that time. The church of Homer. The church of Homer. Yeah. Plus I was dating a girl. So, you know, Hey, you gotta do, you gotta do what you gotta do. Um, but anyways, there's a couple of passages here, um, that really, help shed light on 
on really God's love for us and that are really the kind of, I guess, the hallmarks that God does not condemn us. Now, we'll get to the balance of that a little bit after uh, I read these verses. So it's important to kind of recognize that. But John 3.16, uh, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Verse 18, Whoever believes in him is not condemned. So there's your, there's your answer, right? But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Now, the next verse is, is one that, I mean, really helped me out as well. Um, kind of, ba- you know, bounces off of this one, and that is Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is no now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And here's the thing: what does the devil want? He want you know if you know if you're walking with the Lord, he wants you to be beating yourself up. He wants you to be blaming yourself. Could all of us do better in our walk with God? Absolutely, for sure. Are we sinners saved by grace? Yes. Does this mean that I'll never sin again? No. I, I, I'm pretty good at sinning, and, uh, but I'm thankful that I have God's grace to help me, to motivate me to live for him. Um, I can remember, you know, finally understanding that truth, and, and it just was like a weight was lifted off my shoulders, and I felt this freedom that I had never felt before. And I just, uh, I was thankful for God that he, that he did that. And really, truthfully, I mean, that's the reason why Jesus came and died, you know? I mean, people always, you know, make fun of people that believe in grace, or critics of grace will say, well, I don't believe in cheap grace. And I always just laugh at that, you know? I mean, Mark, what do you think about that statement? There's nothing cheap about the grace that Jesus gave us, that God gave us through Jesus. I mean, dying a horrible death on the cross uh, is about, the antithesis of cheap, as far as I can see. The other thing that you know comes to mind too, and all of this, Dan, is that as a believer, as a Christian, unless you have a clear understanding of the difference between salvation and discipleship, you're never going to be able to deal properly with those feelings of guilt. Uh, you know, even in Romans eight one, there where Paul says, you know, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. And he goes on to say, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, so what condemnation is Paul talking about there? We can't be talking about condemning to hell because Jesus said, you know, you believe in me, that's not happening. So there must be some other kind of condemnation that can occur if you're not walking in the Spirit. And, you know, that's just... This this law of uh, sowing and reaping, right? Yeah, and you know, I always like I just love Jeremy Myers and how he explained condemnation, or at least God's wrath. I think it was God's wrath yeah. is what he was saying, and that is sin is its own consequence. Right? God doesn't have to punish you because it's kind of like a law that's in there and it's just going to, you know, so God's not up there with his lightning bolts and going, all right, there you are. I got you now. You know, yeah, it's like as a kid, you, you kind of look at this stuff and 
you, you've imagined probably from watching too many television shows, God's sitting up on a cloud somewhere, pointing down at the earth and saying, you, I'm going to condemn now you. Okay. I'm going to let you go this time. You've mm-hmm. not, not you're condemned. No, yeah. no you too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but I don't really like you. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, if you have that viewpoint, you're going to, you're just not going to succeed because that's not how God is. You know, God right. is, God is a loving God and yeah, God loves justice too. Or you're going to get your fruit inspector card in the mail, <laughs> and then you're going to be looking at all the other Christians and saying to yourself, well, I'm, I'm better than them, right? so how about that? And then it gets to be very pharisaical, and don't ask me to spell that word. Um, yeah, there, there's the law of sowing and reaping from Galatians chapter 6, and whatever you sow, you're going to reap, and that's good or bad. And so we will, we will face that, and God doesn't want us to experience those things, which is why when Jeremy Meyer says, says sin is its own consequence, what he's getting at is I, 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 I'm the one that I, I'm going to suffer from my, the consequence, whether good or bad. Right. It's, experience it's something that you have done and you're going to earn that negative reward for it. God doesn't come down and say, oh, you've done this, so therefore I'm zapping you. You zap yourself. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Yes. So. It's, you know, when you look at God's wrath, try to think of it in terms of that kind of law, if you will, sowing and reaping. And also, there's Jeremy uses an example. He says, um, your mom tells you to don't touch the stove. You touch the stove and you burn your hand. It's not your mom's wrath, right? No, it's just your actions, right? She's just the one that told you. You got what you deserve, you know? Yeah, and that's that's the way I kind of look at the way Bible portrays God's wrath here is that he's just telling you, hey, I know this is going to hurt, you know, if you do this. And, uh, you know, you look at David and, you know, committed adultery, murder, and and he paid that consequence. Uh, And it it was a big one. So, Dan, I could not agree with you more. (laughs) <laughs> thanks, Mark. Um, well, hey, folks, thanks for listening. Uh, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe, and smash that like button. Again, people aren't going to know about the podcast unless faithful listeners like yourselves uh, let them know about it. So please help us out. Also, if you have any questions, queries, conundrums, or quagmires, I don't know what that is, but if you have that, please drop us an email at contact at sanctuarybb.org. Uh, we'd love to hear from you and may just read your comments or questions on the air. Be sure to join us next week when we will be tasting the Knob Creek 9 small batch bourbon and interviewing a very interesting fellow who grew up Amish and left the group. As always, please remember that we are not saved because we're eternally faithful to the Savior. We're saved because He is eternally faithful to us.